Edward Gauthier and I talk about publishing director guy. So why do you write? I've been writing since I was in third grade, elementary school. Oh, okay. And um, it's just, I don't know, it's always come natural to me. Um, I, uh, I wrote journals, I've written uh, short stories, I, I guess... Uh, uh, you know, it's it's just it's just something I can't not do, uh, and I find uh, my wife will tell me, Ed, you're feeling you're feeling a little irritable today. Go sit down and write. <laughs> you know, you're arguing with me. A my wife never much. says that. Let's, I always get trouble for spending too much time I'm, writing. <laughs> I'm very fortunate to have a wife that uh, supports my writing and kind of even pushes me toward that way when I get a little cranky or something. Wow. But. Uh, and then the boys, my two boys, I got to credit them. They've always kind of put up with me. I mean, sometimes I ask them to read something, and now they'll go, Dad, really, come on. <laughs> and they, they've already read some of my stuff, and they don't want to have to do that anymore. <laughs> but, uh, they retired themselves. Yeah. But um, it's, it's been interesting. I, I, why do I write? I, I, I guess it's just an expression. You know, you get, you, get that, you get to where you want to say something, and you want to get something out of yourself. And, and you're kind of reaching further and further into yourself to sort of see what's there. And uh, for me, it's fiction. Uh, I have written poetry. I have written short stories, uh, those kind of things. But uh, I'm, I'm lately, last two or three years, it's been novels and fiction. And I was surprised. This, this book, a director guy, rolled out of me, I'd say in about eight and a half to nine months. And uh, it was the first version was completed. And then it was a matter of going back and shaping and getting all the grammatical errors out and making sure the wording was what I wanted and that the syntax flowed and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I probably re-edited that thing 25 times, you know, and I had a good friend of mine that uh, helped me with, uh, she has a PhD in English, and she should be a hunter because she doesn't miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> and she uh, she went through it, and once I knew that, or her, Libby uh, is her name, and she uh, when she said, yeah, it's good, <laughs> I said, okay. So that, I, we, I was sitting in the coffee shop one day, and I had done everything on CreateSpace. I had given them the file, the text file, I had given them the cover file, yeah. and I, I was down to pushing one button, right? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, God. No, I know, it's not. It's <laughs> oh, not my God. If I Push this button. It publishes, you know. And so I thought, I got to do it. I got to do it. So I pushed the button, right? And this little green check goes click. And I went, what? You know, about 15 months of work, and I get a little green check, you know. <laughs> but then I ordered me a great big old <laughs> malt. Nice. <laughs> Put a cherry on top. <laughs> Celebrate It's out there. Nice. And you know, sometimes writers don't know when something is finished. Mm -hmm. You know, because you've been working on it, you've been working on it so close to you mm -hmm. that you sort of lose that sense. You always want to rephrase this sentence or rewrite that paragraph. And mm -hmm. there finally comes a time when it's like, okay, it's enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. But uh, yeah, and that's hard too. So uh, knowing when to, when you're finished, uh, mm -hmm. when you should stop. And uh, well, one, one process I use is called the ten percent solution. The ten percent solution is by Ken Ram. Tap on the show notes to see the link. It's a pretty linear process, meaning. Mm -hmm. You start, and then there's a there's a done state. And, right, uh, right. But I, but it's honestly what I would do before. For me, this is what I do before I hand it to uh, an editor. Maybe somebody I pay. I should pay hire somebody to go edit mm -hmm. um, because I'm not strong enough to do that on my own. I just I'm not, I don't have that gene. I'm not. I'm a, I'm a forgiving yeah, reader. Yeah, I can yeah. I can I can read all kinds of stuff that are hard to understand and figure out how to understand it, which unfortunately gets in my way when I'm trying to make it easy to understand for everybody. Libby was catching a few mistakes that weren't grammar stuff. I mean, like I had one. He wasn't a major character, he was kind of a mid-range character, but I called him one name in the first three chapters, and for, you know, and then he wasn't in four and five and in six. When he came back in, I was calling him a slightly different name, you know? 
and you know you got to work stuff out like that and get get the book cleaned up. This reads like it's it's a technical thriller, maybe somewhat sci- uh, at least speculative fiction. Did you write speculative fiction by habit, or is uh, this yeah, unusual? Yeah, or? yeah, I do uh, fiction, and I tend towards science fiction. This is this book is light science fiction. Uh, toward the last five or six chapters is where it starts getting into some sci-fi. <laughs> it's kind of psychological up to that point, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like a different setting for sure. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to, to go to sci-fi and this second book I'm working on called Dream Wheel is going to be much more sci-fi than, than that one. Why do you write science fiction? Basically because it always comments back upon our present day society and current conditions. Yeah. And it's a way to make a statement about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the themes that you carry are, of course you can do that in regular literature too, uh, but I, I don't know. I just like the science of it and uh, the sort of the incredibleness of it. You know, mm. um, it, it attracts me. I've always read science fiction since you know. My, I can remember when I was a kid. I guess eighth, ninth grade, and then Star Trek came on TV, and my dad would, dad and I would sit down regularly, at five o'clock, and watch that. You know, mm-hmm. nothing could get in our way, and right. it's kind of been that way ever since. <laughs> Is there any work out there that's similar to yours that a reader may be familiar with? I guess, right offhand, I would have a hard time answering that. The reason I wrote this book is because I felt like it was fairly unique mm-hmm. uh, setting, theme, and condition. Um, so, who, who do you think? What what kind of books are your readers reading? The people who would enjoy this book. What are they? What are they? Who are they reading already? Oh God, uh, uh, Arson Scott Card. Okay. Uh, Maybe uh, maybe some of uh, Robert Olin Butler, who won the Pulitzer back in uh, the earlier 90s. Um, he has a book out called Mr. Space Man, but he, he tosses in a lot of humor with it. Yeah. And of course, I've been through Douglas Adams and, and uh, some of the Hitchhiker's Guides. Um, and uh, let's see, um, Asimov, uh, you know, the P.K. Dixon. Mm-hmm. Ursula Le Guin was a big influence. Uh, I like her work a lot. Uh, the Lathe of Heaven mm-hmm. uh, is uh, really a fantastic work. From the back of it, it sounds a, a similar, uh, somewhat similar to P.K. Dick's novel that was just turned into a movie recently I saw um, about the guy who's getting messages beamed from space into his brain. <laughs> Your take is different. Your take is like magical realism where you're not sure if right. the guy's telling the truth or not. More like right. K-Pax, it's, right. it's Kevin Spacey movie. Um, mm-hmm. But then, uh, but, where, but the P.K. Dick one was, uh, I think it, it, it was like three quarters of the movie, he's pretty sure it's from Aliens. And then, uh, oh, Radio Free Albemuth is the name of that huh? uh, book and movie. That's kind of what I was, the first thing I was thinking of. So I think if you like Radio Free Album Myth or if you like P.K. Dick, you mm-hmm. probably read it right up this. Yeah. Right up I've read quite a bit of, uh, and used to teach some of uh, Ray Bradbury. So, um, and I, I really enjoyed uh, like Sound of Thunder and his short stories. Uh, you know, learn in that one, uh, butterfly effect, time travel, like those kind of right. themes. Uh, and all, I guess all those uh, science, sci-fi themes that are capable of being played with. I love a theory that hasn't been proven yet, so I can kind of go into that area. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we haven't time traveled yet. Mm-hmm. At least we don't know if we have. Right. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, I was recently uh, looking over one of my fellow students here at Odyssey Workshop, and she's doing uh, parallel universes mm. and the ability of people to sort of go into a meditative, meditative state and jump 
one parallel to another. Mm. And uh, in her situation, she's made it to where the society accepts that, and it, but you have to be certified. You got to have a license. You got to go through some kind <laughs> so of testing pretty, training. They know it's a little dangerous. Mm -hmm. and so you gotta go yeah. <laughs> but you got to do it right. Uh, <laughs> you know? It's wise. Can't just have anybody do that. <laughs> right. Uh, and so those those kind of theories, you know, really grab me. Cool. Uh, I just I like unproven sci-fi theories, uh, and uh, hope they do get proven. But uh, until then, I'm playing with them. We're here at Odyssey. This is probably one of the best. Gene Savalas and uh, the writing workshop here. Uh, the Odyssey writing workshop is probably the best in the nation, or close to it. I mean, I don't know. I've never seen one better. Yeah. I've done four years at the Iowa writing workshop during the summer. Oh, wow. Okay. University of Iowa. They're good. Uh, at University of Louisiana, I studied under Ernest Gaines for a couple of semesters. He was a Pulitzer nominee. Wow. Um, I've studied with uh, Steve Alvin out in California, hmm. and he's. I think he's teaching in Humboldt County. At one of the universities there. there, there's great workshops really all over, and Clarion workshop out in San Diego and that kind of thing. Um, and uh, the best writing advice I've ever heard was by uh, E.L. Dr. Rowe. He says, uh, "Planning out your plot is not writing. Talking with your friends about your project is not writing. Writing is writing." <laughs> and that's kind of the way I do it. I, Monday through Friday, I'm writing four to six hours a day. Nice. And so, uh, you know, just got you got to go to the table, sit down, and do it. If you enjoy listening to Sci-Fi Thoughts, but find it difficult to remember to check the website for new shows, get this technology from the future. Install into your phone a podcast player. Using this, you can subscribe to our podcast feed. And next thing you know, you'll be cruising around in your car with your phone plugged in, playing sci-fi thoughts, or you'll be out there jogging, or you'll be doing whatever you want to do. And have your ears plugged into some cool science fiction programming. You can find instructions on lancerkind.com. This is the last episode in the Ed Gautier series. Episode 84 is where we started. And if you want to find that, go ahead and open up your web browser and search for Lancer Sci-Fi Thoughts Archive. For more information on Ed Gautier or his book, Director Guy, it's right there in your show notes. Just open up your smartphone and it's there for easy tapping.